If green is your favorite color or your way of living, then Grounded is the place for you. From big environmental solutions to your own backyard, wherever in the universe you may be, join me, Melanie Walker, on a journey to a cleaner, greener life. Grounded, your window on the environment. And welcome to yet another wonderful episode of all things green and gorgeous and we're not talking about Kermit the Frog, um, about stuff for the garden and the environment. And to tell us more about what he's been doing, it's been a while since I've actually caught up with Gavin Heron, um, who's one of the people we've worked with a lot over the years when it comes to television and radio. But the first time we've had you in for a podcast, I can't believe it. Gavin, yeah. how are you? No, I'm fantastic. And it's really great to be at this wonderful facility. Yeah, no. It's like, kudos. It's like well, a completely awesome. different way of looking at things these days, isn't it? Yeah, great. Okay, so so where did you come from? Um, I'm not talking about where you know which country you were born in, but where did you get into the green industry from? Because you weren't you, we weren't always in the green industry, were you? No, historically, I actually worked in advertising. I was um, a pretty senior executive in advertising. I worked in London, Hong Kong, Shanghai. Came back to Johannesburg. Worked at uh, was the MD at Huntley Scarus. And then I just really got tired <laughs> of working in advertising. And um, my wife had this idea of uh, food waste composting. So I thought, uh, persuaded her at gunpoint, I think she sometimes says, to um, if I could join her in a venture. Mm. And that was 10 years ago. So we were um, just over a 10 year old business, um, which is pretty amazing. We never thought. I'd be sitting in the same business for 10 years and uh, my wife and I are still married, which is also probably pretty <laughs> surprising. Yeah. You haven't, she hasn't put you out to compost yet. <laughs> no, not quite yet. I think she's been uh, often uh, tempted mm-hmm. and very seriously tempted. Uh, but, you know, one works with one's partner and one finds the, the right balance, I think, between being life partners as well as business partners. It's not easy, but it's, you can succeed. You just have to give it a bit of time, like good compost. Yeah, so, <laughs> Exactly. Um, but I mean, I first came, you came onto my radio with Bokashi. Correct. Okay, so where did the whole idea of Bokashi come from? So the so Bokashi is not a new technology. It's been around for a pretty long time. You know, it originated in Japan. But I suppose in South Africa, when we started the business, it was very, very, very new. Mm. Um, and it really came from Karen, who had the she was very inter- interested in gardening, and she started with a worm farm, mm. and quickly, um, as most worm farms do, discovered that you can't compost a lot of the organic waste or food waste coming out of your kitchens. For example, cooked food, uh, citrus, onions, meat, proteins, dairy. And so we were, while we were doing the right thing, there was still a lot of stuff that was still going into the dustbin and going to landfill and all that. So she started doing some research and discovered the idea of Bokashi. And there was a company in Stellenbosch, which has subsequently gone into liquidation a few years ago, mm. that actually was manufacturing Bokashi in South Africa in Stellenbosch. So we started retailing or buying a 25 kg bag from them. And then we went to two kg, two twenty fifty kgs. Then we went to a hundred, and uh, ten years later, we probably doing quite a few tons of bokashi, which we now manufacture ourselves. So it all started with this: we wanted to do hundred percent of food waste, not just the mm. the stuff that worms could do. And the the great thing about bokashi is once food waste has been uh, let's call it bokashied, which is actually a fermentation process then the contents of that bin or the Bokashi bin can actually still be fed to composting worms, including stuff you wouldn't normally do. It's a fantastic process because it's non-smelly. Fermentation is pretty easy. The whole 
idea of not send, of sending zero organic waste to landfill mm. is is what we really try and do, and because we all know that landfills are um, not the best things; they're necessary evil. But we need to also not send organic waste, which attracts flies, rats, pollutes water sources, all that type of stuff. Mm. So we just try to do our bit um, through that uh, business, and we really then expanded to from households to commercial. Uh, to building our own uh, composting machines. Um, so we're very proud that we're actually a South African business that de- develops everything in South Africa, including the microbes we use in our Bokashi. Well, this is what I was going to ask you. What is Bokashi actually, for those people who don't know what it is? So traditionally, Bokashi is a carrier, and it, it would be something like usually in the what people know it in South Africa as wheat bran, uh, which has been inoculated with something called EM, or effective microorganisms, which mm-hmm. is a consortia of beneficial uh, microorganisms or bacteria, you, mainly lactic acid bacteria, which we know is in yogurts and all that type of stuff. And it's good for our stomachs and good for yes. our health and all that. So that's what Bokashi generally is. And you, it comes in a brand form and you throw it over your food waste. We took a different track. We thought we didn't want to import EM uh, because it's an imported product, comes mm-hmm. from Japan or America or, or Europe. Um, we didn't want to use wheat bran because we think that wheat bran is something that should be fed to, to animals or people or whatever mm. it is. We also had issues with supply, seasonal supply coming out of, from Mozambique. I don't know why it comes from Mozambique, but that's where it came from. So what we developed in Abokashi is we worked with the CSRR to develop indigenous microorganisms. So all of our microbes are South African, which is... Uh, I don't know, that's sometimes a good thing, but it's being South African is not always a good thing. It's not going to work as hard. <laughs> <laughs> and they seem to be like, yeah, so that, so we worked with the CSIR and we're doing some further development in that area with them, which we're really excited about. And then we said, said what we should look at what waste products are out there. And we use um, in our Earth Bokashi, basically uh, we source stuff that would have been going to landfill. So we source sawdust and we stream it and... and um, get it hammer millets and all these things so mm. it's consistent in size. We use um, used coffee grounds that we source from major manufacturers. Our protein source comes from uh, the, the dairy industry. So all of these products are sort of rejected products which would have gone into a landfill and mm. we use those in a, in a sort of proprietary recipe um, for our products. So that's why we call it Earth Bokashi, not just Bokashi. Bokashi is a generic term. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's how we use it. And... Um, you know, it's challenging, but it's less wasteful, it's sustainable, and it works really, really well because it has a lower odor than the EM-based stuff, which tends to be a lot more sour. Yes. And it's not a criticism, it's just it is. Ours tends to be, um, because of the wood shavings and sawdust and things, and it, it tends to have a very low odor uh, recipe, but they work in, a, in very similar ways. But now you also took it that you could use it if you have dogs. <laughs> you can do a dog poo bokashi too, which yeah. I, I did try. And I was just like, oh, I can't do this. I actually can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> we, no, we, the dog thing comes up. Uh, we, you know, we, you know, we've got two very big um, giant schnauzers, which are beautiful dogs. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the size of the dog is in direct proportion to <laughs> its amount of... Um, what it puts out, yeah. Yeah, what it puts out. And we, we, people used to say, can we use your Bokashi bin for, as a dog poo compost? And we said, yeah, you can, but why would you want to? Because you can actually dig a hole in the ground and put the, the dog poo into the hole, cover it with the soil that you've taken out, and the microbes in the soil will take care of it. Mm. So that tends to be a strategy that we use um, with our dogs. Mm. Um, putting it into your wheelie bin is not great because you end up with a very smelly wheelie bin. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, <laughs> 
So, yeah, so the composting, um, well, I, I suppose it's not decomposing your, biodegrading your, your dog poo through soil is probably a better solution than throwing mm. it into a dustbin. And then you, because your food waste isn't going there as well, you end up with a clean, well, relatively clean, but you don't have flies and rats and roaches and everything in your dustbin. And if you pick it up, don't come and collect it. It's not an issue because you're taking care of all your organics uh, mm. in a different way. Have you found over the f- last few years that people have become a lot more aware of, of recycling, reducing, reusing, upcycling, doing all of these things um, that are environmentally friendly? Or do you find that it's still actually just tapered off at the same thing? With the amount of stuff that you're selling, are people like really buying into Bokashi and, and earthworm bins? I think that during COVID, our commercial business took a hectic uh, knock because mm. all the offices closed down and we've got machines in Okavango, um, those resorts closed down. But the domestic business went crazy. Mm. And I think it did reflect the people spending more time at home. They were starting to think more about gardening. They were starting to think about more sustainable and resilience, I think, think, let's grow our own stuff. Mm. And so, you know, it's from March last year, you know, our businesses on the domestic side has has gone, I wouldn't say crazy, but it's gone really, really well. Mm. Just because people now are taking more care, they spend more time at home, and they're starting to think more about their home environment. But there's also so much media about uh, the carbon crisis, which is um, the climate crisis, which is Mm. the right way to talk about it rather than global warming, Um, because, you know, that idiot Donald Trump would have gone, oh, but you see it's... uh, (laughs) uh, Look, it's who's speaking about global warming and it's when it's minus 10, you know. So, you know, so I think that people have also understood the difference between climate and weather, which Mm. is an important differentiator as well. There is, I think there is a big move and I think it's catching from schools, um, being more at home, wanting to do your own thing, grow your own, be more grounded. Mm. So there's definitely a trend, which is, and it's very positive. Um, and it's ac- across all income groups and, uh, you know, from rural to urban, uh, people are just starting to grow their own, which is fantastic. Because, mm. And I think that's what's complimentary about Bokoshi. It is a circular system. Yes. Food that you grow, you peel, goes into the Bokoshi, goes back into your soil, and, you know, that's the way it should be. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. But I find that, I mean, we should really be pushing. I mean, it, it was wonderful that you had this whole new system happening in Johannesburg where we're going to be recycling. So here's your recycling bags. Put your bags out on a certain day and we will come and collect, apart from the waste pickers who actually do a fantastic job as well. Except now, of course, that the city of Johannesburg doesn't have any trucks available to go and (laughs) pick up the recycling. So, and and, I mean, they're saying, oh, no, now, you know, all the suburbs are going to have to pay an extra 50 rand a month for the recycling. It's what they're supposedly oh. doing, but they are not doing. And in fact, a lot I've heard that a lot of the stuff is actually still ending up in landfills. So how do we get people to understand that they need to be responsible for their waste? I mean, and to say, right, these are the things that you can could put into a compost heap. These are the things you can put into a worm bin. These are the things you can put into a bokashi. I mean, is there one particular place that we can say, right, you have to do this? I don't think government's going to get behind that. I think it needs to be something that comes from private organizations saying to everybody, right, there is going to be no more pickups. I take another point of view on it. I think that there's too much pressure put on consumers. And actually, the responsibility for waste is actually at manufacturing, Mm. at production, and then at retail. So I think that the the amount of waste is really in proportion to how much a Unilever, Procter & Gamble, or whoever is thinking about their waste footprint. Mm. And these huge companies are not thinking about it enough. 
Um, you still, I mean, even toothpaste, for example, why does it have to come in a cardboard box which is all shiny, which then is not recyclable, which then, why can't it just be in a tube? Yes, exactly. So there's, the, the wastefulness starts at, at production, not at the consumer. And then everyone always wags a finger at the, at the consumer, and that's not fair. Um, consumers need to take some responsibility for how they buy. And, but I think that sometimes consumers are so overwhelmed by what they need to do that they end up doing, you know, like a deer in the headlights. They just can't mm. move and they don't do anything, which is why we produced that 52 Easy Things book, little booklet. To, oh, I did not know about this little booklet. Tell me about this little booklet. <laughs> so, uh, so, we, so we sort of had this um, for our 10th anniversary. We were, obviously, COVID was there and we, we had this little booklet, which I stupidly forgot to bring you a copy, but I'll drop it <laughs> off to And the idea was is that Sometimes, you know, a large number of people doing a very a good thing it actually has a massive impact and mm. forgets how the cumulative impact of a lot of people doing good things is, is pretty significant. So we produced this book called 52 Easy Things to Live a More Planet, You Can Do to Live a More Planet-Friendly Life. Mm. And those 52 things were just like 52 weeks. Um, you could do this in a week. And, and some of them were like, you know, when you go to a shopping center, don't put that those onions and things in the plastic bag. Just get them weighed, put the stick on one of the onions and take the onion and, you know, buy loose. So mm. it's a very easy thing to do and it's not very inconvenient. So we try to inspire, you know, the consumers to start thinking about doing easy things. And sometimes this whole, oh, you need to be recycling 100% and, you know, this and that and everything becomes, it becomes overwhelming when, you know, like plant an heirloom seed or just grow one tomato plant. Just mm. grow a, piece, a thing of lettuce. That's all you need. Just grow one thing. And hopefully the one thing you do will lead to another thing, which leads to another thing, which leads to someone else doing something similar mm. and all that uh, type of thing. So that's what we've tried to do. And it's, uh, we offer it for free. Uh, you can download it by going to our website and looking at the blog page. You can download it as an ebook. Mm. Uh, we haven't. We don't charge for it. And if you want a hard copy, we'll charge you. And we then donate 10 rand of every sale we make to the Owl Rescue um, Guys in Hartebeersport. Um, so they can make a little money saving owls because that's also the other thing is yeah. save owls. Don't put rodenticides on all the stuff around because there's no such thing as an eco-friendly rodenticide no matter what people say. So yeah, so that's what we try to do. And I think that as consumers and you're asking what is, I think it is, you know, one person talking to another person and not shouting at them and not lecturing them and just saying, hey, isn't this cool, you know? Mm. <laughs> We're both, both looking at our plastic bottles. I recycle these, by the way. I actually do. But I, always, but I think that recycling is the last resort to waste. Well, I'm, what I've been, the way I've been recycling them, I think everybody knows, I'm like a complete mullet when it comes to creating eco-bricks. Yes. So I, I make eco-bricks. And, and the problem is at the moment trying to find out where to take them because, yeah. of course, you know, there's nowhere to go and drop them off. But fortunately, I have a friend who's actually building with them. So I've got all my kids doing it. I know a lot of schools are still doing yeah. it. And it, yeah. is, it is a way of getting rid of a lot of other waste as well. And yes. if you don't have the bottle, you've got nothing to put those bits of plastic that can't be recycled into. Oh, okay. okay. There you go. <laughs> so I keep <laughs> – these, these all get made into bricks. But that is the thing. I mean, I had somebody who came – who's now living with myself and my twins in our house. And they, she just turned around and looked and said, I've never seen anybody ever – recycle as much as you guys do. I mean, we throw away so very little, it's frightening. Yeah. Because it's either the paper recycling or it's cans that are being recycled, bottles, plastics, the ones we know that we can recycle. Yeah. Anything that can't be recycled for the waste pickers or through pick it up mm. gets put into bottles yeah. and made into um, eco-bricks. 
And then all the food waste either goes into the Bukashi or it goes into the worm bin. Yes. No, that's uh, that's uh, it. And then there's hardly anything. And any clothes or books or anything, they all get taken out to charities or given to the waste pickers or whoever comes around. Yeah, and I, th- I think there is, you know, from a consumer perspective, there is the sense that, you know, one really needs to take a little bit of responsibility about one's own footprint. Isn't mm. And that's also a lot about, you know, like I said, you give your clothes away that's, and it's fantastic, but also buy less. Mm. You know, I don't uh, buy anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was going through all of my slips for the tax for last last tax year, and literally, I think there were maybe about ten, apart from petrol, which was only about like five tanks filled in the entire year. Because I mean, who who could yeah. go driving anyway? Yeah. Anyway, I think there were about ten slips that weren't actually food. <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. was it. I bought absolutely nothing. It was fantastic. I loved lockdown, to be honest with you. I was quite happy to sit in my house and play with my garden and read and, and not go out and spend money. Yeah, no. There were, I think there was, and I think a lot of people found lockdown to be very beneficial in that way. Mm. Also just bringing families together again because you would, it had to be, you know, we had to, we had our, all of our children in our, in our house, which was fantastic. We it sounds enjoyed. like you have a lot of children. <laughs> well, they're, they're children and partners. You know, yeah, okay. Our children are older than yours. <laughs> <laughs> so, so children, yeah. So that's, um, but I, I, I do think that, you know, what we, the lessons of um, being resourceful and being resilient and growing your own and being more environmentally aware mm. and things like that. I mean, I hope that the, the tipping point or the, let's call it the grand uh, forced experiment on humanity sustains itself going forward, that that people retain those good habits that they started implementing when they were under lockdown or constrained from movement mm. and things like that, like going shopping less for stuff you don't need, and going to, you know, that, that those things move uh, carry on. Because the big, I think there were some massive environmental benefits, um, carbon emissions dropped because mm. people weren't driving around as much, and they still are. But, um, you know, let's... Uh, Let's be responsible for our own carbon footprint and what we use, what we consume. But I still think that the the manufacturers and the, the at source at source everything is, should start at source. Yeah, that's when ninety percent of the waste is generated, not at the consumer side. Yeah. So, what other things do Earth Probiotics actually put out of? I mean, I haven't spoken to you for at least a year or so, and I know that you've been moving ahead with a whole bunch of different things that you do. So we we, we sort of saw. Um, you know, the Bokashi is a great uh, system, but in, even for commercial reasons, so we have a lot of commercial customers that use Bokashi. Mm-hmm. But once you get over a, a ton of food waste, it becomes a bit of a hack because you need too many bins and you need, they need to be properly fermented. And, you know, there's a lot of management issues that's got mm-hmm. coming around Bokashi at high volumes. So we developed a composting machine, which we call the Earth Cycler, which is a automated uh, composting machine. We have one at Discovery, um, Standard Bank, uh, FNB, just on the road here at the call center. Mm. We've got another three ma- machines coming out. We've got them sitting in the Okavango, uh, which is really a privilege to be able to go to the Okavango to install these machines. One of the few places I haven't been. I never, thought, I never thought I'd ever get to go there. <laughs> but, um, so that's been brilliant. And the, and the machines are fully automated. They're smart machines, so they weigh everything and report um, on, on, a low, on a daily basis, how, what's gone into them, uh, what, what the carbon footprint saving is from putting that stuff in. It provides recipe guidance because re- we all know that composting requires a balance between what we'd call nitrogen or green stuff, mm. uh, nitrogen-rich stuff, and then brown stuff, which is carbon-rich stuff, mm. and that's so woody-type stuff. Um, so we, we, in these machines, 
when they are like at Discovery, for example, we'll use uh, waste um, coffee cups if they're compostable. And this is also the thing about producers. So, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so stuff like that, which would normally go to a landfill because it's contaminated, it's not recyclable, now can be composted through these machines. So um, they're really fantastic machines. I think there's in our minds. Mm-hmm. We'll need someone to verify it. You can, you can tell us. <laughs> but we think they're as good as any machines that are made anywhere in the world. Mm. And they're locally manufactured. So we're very proud of the fact that we... And, and that was a great benefit because we don't import from China or from India or any stuff like that. Mm. So we didn't have um, supply chain issues with these machines over COVID. And we also don't have currency um, issues. issues. Yeah. Um, everything's RAND-based. Um, and we started to export them. We've got uh, some sitting in, um, we've got Zambia, Mozambique. One of our other smaller development machines is in the Seychelles. <laughs> this is a big story. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so this is really good. And then we also, with other partners, manufacture very, very big machines, mm. which would do up to 80 tons of food waste a month. So these sit in shopping malls. So we have that Canal Walk um, in Cape Town. We have it sent in City. We have it Eastgate. Uh, we got it at Empress Palace, which was the first one that we made. It's been running there since 2015. Mm. And Empress Palace, if you, you know, Sometimes we, we always want things so immediate, but we worked out how much, what, what they had actually been uh, diverted from landfill through this composting machine. It's over a million kilograms. That's a huge amount. Of, it is a lot. So, you know, we're so, running out of landfills as well. That's also another big problem. Yeah, landfills. So the, the new landfill is going to be in Delmas outside of Johannesburg, mm-hmm. um, and there's going to be a waste train that will take the waste there. So your costs, your waste costs are going to be extremely high. Um, and, uh, you know, and landfills are, you know, if we can send, like you do, just a little packet of some general waste, non-recyclable stuff and mm. contaminants, that stuff, that's what we should all be aspiring to. Because not only does it make our lives cleaner and healthier, it also means that we spend less money on stuff. But compost, I think the big issue at the moment is biodegradable versus compostable. And I, I'm, I'm very anti the label of biodegradable. Why? Like, because bio- everything biodegrades. But it's just some things take a lot longer, though. Yeah, yeah. but so plastic biodegrades. Yeah. But it takes a thousand years. Yeah. But this PLA stuff, which is polylactic acid-based plastic, it's just a plastic, and I hate that stuff. Because but does it actually biodegrade? Because I've got a lot of people I, who are working with this kind of thing at the moment really? as well, and I'm sitting there uh, going, okay, so how long does it take to actually break down? Uh, yeah, and this is the point. It, it can break down in very specific circumstances. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so it needs this type of environment, it needs to be an industrial facility, it needs this much humidity, it needs this much heat, all these type of things. But how many facilities are there in South Africa, for example, that have where this stuff goes to? So it's just like everything else, we're a litter buggered up nation. Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, I see they've got Zappet in the ZB is coming back. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> because that's one thing that we all grew up, <clears throat> yeah. grew up with, excuse me, as kids, is that we used to have to come up with posters. I remember in Standard 1 or Standard 2, having to come up with a poster for anti-littering and yeah. you know, Zappet in the ZB. And we had all of those wonderful things that, as kids, I think, taught us not to litter. I mean, I, I can't, I cannot even imagine throwing something on the ground. Oh, and yeah. So these things just get chucked just like normal mm. stuff. Um, and so they don't, they will biodegrade over time but it's going to take a hell of a long time it mm. still becomes a microplastic which is eaten by something or a fish or something you know before it gets disappears mm. so my golden rule is if there's something which is sciency like pla what is polylactic acid mm. don't use it and if it says you know made from cornstarch and it's compostable then use it because you understand exactly what it is mm. if you don't understand it don't use don't you know use it so this is my rule so 
compostables are really coming into the market in a big way. Um, we're seeing this uh, stuff that's made out of cornstarch. We're also seeing stuff coming in which is made out of potato starch, which is properly compostable. We're working with some people doing that. And that's really exciting. Mm. But that, again, needs to be at the manufacturer level. But it's also stuff It's being made out of food. You know, uh, it's nice if you can take something which isn't actually a food stuff, which isn't gonna, like you were talking about the wheat with the bakashi, if you can actually take something which can compost yeah, easily, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not actually made from a food stuff. And that was the big problem when it came to biodiesel at one stage, is that people are making biodiesel from edible food crops. Yeah. And they, they have done a lot of studies with something called Detropha, which um, unfortunately has to have specific growing conditions. So they were working on a frost-resistant variety of Detropha, which has no intrinsic use. Yeah. In fact, the plant itself, you, know, you can't even burn it because um, the fumes are poisonous. <laughs> toxic mm. um, and they get used to create bomas for animals and this but the seeds are very very high in yield in oil okay so they were looking into it from from that point of view so i w- would be very loath to take something which can be actually used to feed people and then yeah, creating so something think, from that i think that uh, unless you I can eat the bags <laughs> <laughs> for me it's a list of what uh, what evil but I, th- I agree with you and i wouldn't uh, debate that point on you but but it's also about bagasse for example mm. it's also about hemp um, it's all of these other alternatives. It's not only plastics. Yeah. It's also the other stuff. You know, the stuff that, that polystyrene for me is Ugh, the worst the invention worst stuff in, the, in world. the world. And it's, and our rivers in, mm. you know, are just contaminated like you can't. So, gas based uh, food servers are fantastic. They keep things warm, they're compostable, they come from a renewable resource, it's a waste product. Um, hemp, I think, is a marvelous material mm. which is underutilized. For some stupid reason in South Africa, they don't really get it. Like, yeah. uh, you know. So I think alternative um, materials are really important. But again, it has to come from you know, big companies like Walmart are actually starting to do quite a good job. And they're insisting on the supp- in their supply chain, pushing mm. back on them, saying, you need to make that, you need to minimize your, uh, your, your packaging footprint. You need to use more sustainable materials. And they're pushing back on their supply because they have so much power to do mm. that. And I, w- and I wish that more companies within our market would do it. Yeah, there's, there's still that big push from everybody. Oh, we must have organic food. I'm like, well, if you can do that, why don't you make everything more sustainable as well and, and lessen your footprint on the earth? And there's, there's, certain, there's certain burger chains that I started boycotting in the 80s, uh, mainly because at one stage they were responsible for the desecration of rain of rainforests because of the, Come on, the who, farmers. Who are you talking I'm about? I'm not going to say who. <laughs> and then when they came to South Africa... And I went up Northcliffe Hill and it was their packaging was just strewn everywhere because they put it in this, in that, and then into something else and then in a bag. And it was just like all of this kind of litter. And I just said, that's it. I will never buy anything from that chain. And I haven't. But but, but I think what's important, though, is – and I agree agree with you because – but I think that when a business starts doing something positive, we Mm. should celebrate that. Yes, but then they uh, need to get water. onto it. All of them uh, must get yeah, onto it. Yeah, but even like, I hate Woolworths. I think the Woolworths overpackages everything, and uh, most of the packaging is not compostable, not even recyclable. Yeah, yeah. Because in South Africa, it says they might be recyclable in Johannesburg, but not in Pofada, yeah. or if they have even have a store there. But they, but you suddenly see that they're starting to move in a positive dire- mm. direction, and you go, okay, I hate Woolworths, but actually. Let's celebrate this stuff they're going in. Yeah. And, and that Farming for the Future program there, which I never understood until I actually met a farmer, is fantastic. Mm. So one has to, 
you know, it's a little bit like it's very easy to be judgmental and and critical and things. And we sh- and I'm not saying we shouldn't be. We should be, but let's also sometimes go to walls and say, hey, you know, great job. Um, I'm not allowed to swear on this, bro. <laughs> uh, we can bleep you. <laughs> so so we we need to and the you know and I, and what I really appreciate is how. You know, smaller companies are coming through with new products and everything. We weren't around a little thing. Mm. It's usually an organic thing. It's usually a little bit too expensive. But hey, hopefully they'll get better and get better volumes and start generating um, good things. So, Mm. yeah, so that's also a point is support the good things and uh, try and criticize the bad. Yeah, um, well, I support anybody who does good stuff for the earth. Um, my best is, though, when somebody came along and uh, my favorite compost and they said, so when are you going to put it into like a, um, a, a biodegradable bag? Like, do you understand what compost is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, if you don't use all your compost at once, that you're going to have compost everywhere because it's going to yeah. degrade that bag two seconds flat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what do we do with that plastic? Is there a different way, of, you know? Can I think we it should not- be able to take it back. Yeah. And it was, so what, what I get really irritated <laughs> because I go so polystyrene is for me is, is the worst oh, thing and I, yeah. and I, you know the, Johannesburg was called the Witwatersrand for a reason so white water um, you know wherever you drive and you just see these streams and whatever it is and every single one is contaminated yeah. and full of polystyrene yeah. And full of human feces because people are living on that. And then they let their dogs go and jump around in the spray. And I'm like, I wouldn't let my dogs in that water. Sometimes you don't have a choice. But (laughs) and just imagine, imagine South Africa, Johannesburg, where the water was clean Mm. in the streams, like it was when I was a kid. Yeah, we used to fish. Yes, and it's not not impossible. Mm. So when I go to a butcher, I I, I like to take my own container because I'm Mm. only like I want to buy two steaks. I don't want to buy them pre-wrapped. You know, one for me, one for my wife, and you know. And then I take my own container, and the guys I actually refuse to go there anymore, anymore because it's become such a hack. Mm. Because they're going, you know, well, just tear it on the scale. Well, they need, so the one guy at the time I said, okay, now I'm going to put it on the polystyrene, and then I'm going to weigh it on the polystyrene or on the plastic, and then I'll throw that polystyrene away and put it in your container that you can take home. And they go, you don't forget, I even wrote these guys a note, and I said, that's so frustrating. Why can't we bring our own containers to, mm-hmm. to do these things? And it's the Craigor Butcher, which is very, you know, they're nice people. And they're, but it's like, was it with, them that did it? Okay. Yeah. So it's like, oh, please. You know, so I've never, go, I've never gone back. Okay, so everybody, if you happen to know where that butcher is, when you go in there next, ask for the same thing. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> in fact, yeah, you change. You can change what people want and what they yeah. do and what, what, what businesses are going to do by yeah. consumer demand. And, I mean, if you think about even just in the nursery and garden centre milieu where people will said, well, we want food plants. We need more f- nut trees. Yeah. And they, people started supplying. Yeah, exactly. So we can say, we need this, we want this, and you must do this because otherwise we won't support yeah. you. Well, it's, it's, again, it's the power of a lot of people doing mm. uh, small things. It yeah. becomes like a big thing. So, it's, so, yeah, it's really so talking important. about small things, whereabouts can people download the book, the booklet from? So if they go to Earth Probiotic, so Earth as in E-A-R-T-H, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the world, the Earth, Probiotic as in medicine, Probiotic, Dot Coza, and if they go onto the look at the menu and go onto blog, if you can, they can download the book there. They don't have to register. You can just download it, do whatever you want, and share it. Um, so it's free. It was uh, our 
our sort of little thing that we thought for our 10th anniversary, let's celebrate it by giving away some some stuff for free and seeing if we can inspire people to be good to earth. Well, I'm going to put it all over the place as well. I think that's a fine idea. Everybody, yeah. you need to get it with the program as well, okay? We only have one earth, we need to look after it. So be pro I saw, this, uh, I saw, <laughs> I saw a, a, thing, a, a thing on Facebook the other day that said Mars sucks. <laughs> and the guy's got no oxygen, he's got no yep. water, he's got no... And we're spending billions of dollars... Getting to Mars. I, I, you know, it says, you know, so, you know, why, why, why are we not spending billions of dollars on getting yes. better things here? I'm putting it out. Thought. Elon Musk, stop sending things to Mars. Okay. Yeah. Well, don't even think about sending things to Mars. Okay. Rather get on board with fixing things down here. He'll say he's doing his bit. He for is doing his bit for the Earth. But I mean, you know, rather eradicate <laughs> poverty and stuff like that. You've got enough money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, sure. thank you so much for coming in and chatting. Thanks, Val. It was really nice to see you. It's and good then to catch you, up. When you get some amazing more products coming in, do let us know about it. We've got some really cool products that are going to be coming out uh, hopefully in June, July for domestic uh, growing. So we're working on the prototypes, yeah, um, including dog composting. <laughs> so, so these things are hopefully going to be coming out in the not too distant future. So we want to encourage people to grow stuff at home. We look That's forward it. to it. From advertising to being good for the earth instead of bad for the mind. Thank you, Gavin. (laughs) And for the rest of you, of course, I mean, go and have a look at the website. Uh, They've got a whole bunch of great ideas, not just the booklet to download. Also have a look at their products. If you haven't booked Cash Eat before, well, why not think about doing it? We'll catch you again next time. In the meantime, get out into your garden, have some fun, and above all, stay grounded. Bye-bye. You've been listening to another episode of Grounded from Solid Gold Studios in Johannesburg. For more green ideas and events, pop along to Mel's Treasures on Facebook.